the Support Ops Podcast. I'm your humble host, Chase Clements. This show is devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. You can find us on the web at supportops.co and on Twitter where we are at supportops. This is episode number 13, and this one is sponsored by HelpSpot. HelpSpot lets you manage email, provide customer self-service, and handle an unlimited number of tickets, all for $239 per agent for life, not per month, That's $239 for life. Best of all, you can download it yourself to run it on your own servers or even partner with them to host it if you want. The the cool thing there is you actually own your support app rather than just renting it from some company. It's absolutely free, 45 free, uh, free 45 day trial with absolutely no strings attached. Save $100 when you check it out at helpspot.com forward slash support ops. Um, Ian sent me that code earlier today and you're, you're going to love it. You know, you've heard from Ian before on the show. So go show him some love, especially if you're in the market for a new support app. On today's show, we've got special guest Jeff Vincent. Jeff is uh, part of the customer happiness team over at Wistia. So everyone meet Jeff. Say hi. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for being on the, uh, the show. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, not a problem. So the the thing I like to do at the beginning of all uh, all these shows is just kind of set the background. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, just kind of set the stage and, and what you do at Wistia, that kind of thing. Sure. Okay. Uh, so um, let's see. The, probably the best place to start would be what I was doing right before um, I was here. I was at um, BC Business School. I got my MBA from Boston College here in Boston. Uh, and then actually while I was finishing up my MBA, I was looking for a job and, uh, of course, as everybody is there. And uh, I happened um, – I can't remember how I tracked them down, but they were looking for a director of, at a small company called Wistia. And everybody I knew was uh, applying to banks, and I said, this one sounds like it might be right for me. Uh, Wistia, which was a few months later, there I was number six. Uh, so there were five other folks. So things have changed. We're now 17 people. And Wistia, for anybody who's not familiar, is uh, video hosting for business applications. So we do uh, essentially what you think of you know, your normal video host. So like a YouTube, for example, meaning you can put video on your website. But the features that we provide are more for businesses. So we have a whole analytics suite so you know how your video is performing. Um, and we also have build features like uh, post roll call to action. So at the end of your video, you can direct your viewers that were so excited about the content to go do something else. So the types of things that would help a business grow using video. So let's talk some numbers real quick. Uh, how big is your support team? How many customers are we dealing with each day? What's, what's the volume like across the, the different channels that you work with? Great question. Um, so right now, the way the team breaks down... so. In terms of volume, I think it's best to talk about um, the different, okay, the different customer groups or potential communication groups that we work with. So the first one, I I guess I would call it technical support, and that's where myself and Jordan are handling somewhere between 80 to 100 technical support emails every day. Um, And then the other side is Max, who is more of our uh, pre-sales area. He handles all the people who haven't necessarily touched the application yet, um, but they're asking questions about uh, what what it would be like, 
you know, if their company did get set up with Wistia or how our pricing works or something like that. And Max also handles all of uh, the incoming phone calls. And right now we only do like five to 10 calls per day. But there was a time in the past when we were doing a lot more. So maybe we'll talk about that later in the show. Yeah, I'm going to pick your brains on that offering uh, the phone support, that kind of thing. So you mentioned uh, technical emails, which kind of gives me a lead in here. <laughs> uh, Alyssa over at Buffer just tweeted a, a question for me. And we were, she was wondering about how you handle kind of uh, what, what I call on-call programmers. Um, so programmers that work with support uh, to, to help resolve cases and that kind of thing. What's, what's your approach over there with those kind of technical cases that you mentioned? Right. Uh, so that's a great question. Um, the way, so I think the way that the, the best way to describe it is some questions are technical in nature, but the problem is originating on the customer's end, like some the, the way that it's interacting with Wistia is is somehow wonky, somehow not lining up right. And in that case, um, we put it on the customer champions. That's myself or Max or Jordan. Um, we want to jump right in, so the email doesn't need to be escalated. We just jump right in and try to solve that problem. But then the other half of those questions are questions where Wistia itself may not be working, um, and there's all sorts of technical stuff that we're trying to do behind the scenes so that, you know, customers don't have to deal with that. And at times we try to make improvements that uh, might not necessarily go uh, according to plan. And in those cases, um, instead of having, you know, a support engineer, I think for us, it's best to just go straight to the source. So the person who actually wrote that code will be notified of, you know, there's some sort of problem, let's review it. And we do the review right here in the office in person so that um, the customer champion figures out what's, you know, help can help figure out what's going on so they can communicate it clearly. But also if there really is a problem or a bug, the person who's closest to that code can jump in and deploy a fix, you know, maybe within minutes. So with your, when you, when you go in and wrangle up the programmer that, that's been working on that code, is it kind of just like you, you pop into their office and or space or whatever, and you're like, hey, I need your help on this one? Or are there like certain boundaries? Like if they're really intensely involved in something, do you do you go ahead and go in? Do you have a secret bat signal that <laughs> let people know it's okay? You so, know, yeah. like how, how do you approach them? Right. And I, I think we're working on that all the time. Um, so, let's, uh, so let's back up a little bit. Um, a long time ago, when there were only a couple of us, everyone was doing support. Um, you know, people who were building the product were doing, were actively doing support every day, and uh, that was great because that meant Brendan, who wrote an awful lot of the original Wistia code, could go in and make a product change while he was on the phone with somebody and just completely blow them away, which I think is awesome. But obviously, there's some scaling issues with doing that, right? Um, you know, over time, uh, Brendan had to focus on certain things. And, you know, as we're trying to grow this support team, one of the things that I was saying was, we'll handle support and we'll bring it to you. You know, we'll escalate it to you when we need to. Um, so part of the goal there is the few, like, as we go along, fewer and fewer things should actually need to be escalated because the customer champions gain more skills. They learn why things break or what that looks like, you know, what the error looks like. Um, but we also have a like you like you were guessing. I'm I think um, we have 
some communication channels to figure out like when the best time to bug somebody about that is. So we use Campfire in the office, so we can hop on there and say, you know, hey, let's say it's something that Max was working on. We could say, hey, Max, like, do you have a minute to look at this? Something doesn't look right. Um, but we also are like a very strong in-person culture. And I think we, the way we look at support is um, that comes before an awful lot of other stuff. So if something is legitimately broken, even if somebody is saying like, hey, I'm working on this other thing, um, they're pretty much aware that the, the primary um, focus for them actually is going to have to be supporting what they've already put out the door. Because who cares about the next feature if everyone's saying, well, <laughs> this current one doesn't work. So that's, that's sort of how we approach it. I think it's a case-by-case basis, but um, hopefully that gives you a little bit of insight there. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we At 37 Signals, we kind of do a, a little bit different. We uh, basically have what's the the on-call programmer role. Mm-hmm. So they're tasked to us, I guess is a good way of saying it. They're ours. We get to use them for, for that day, that week, however long their uh, their shift is. And, and then we're able to just kind of flip cases over to them and, and kind of get their their insight and, and all that. So it's you know, it's refreshing to see a different way of approaching the same problem because what works for us, you know, might not work for somebody else. And it's, I hate to be like, Hey, this is how you're going to do it. When in reality, there's lots of different ways to tackle this problem. I mean, having, you know, having the programmers right there, whenever you need without having a specified on-call programmer, that kind of thing works. So, you know, bravo. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think that one, (laughs) so there are a lot of things that led to this. One is certainly the personalities of the people who are currently customer champions. Um, and I guess that started with me that I, I'm just really horrible at asking other people for, you know, not, not asking them for help, but asking them to do something, not just saying, Hey, like, I think I've got this, but can you offer me some tips? But actually saying, I, I, I can you just do this for me? I, I'm really bad at that. I hate doing it. It causes me problems like all day if I have to do that at the end of the day. Um, so a lot of the other folks like Jordan and Max feel exactly the same way. They'd, they'd love to be able to do it. And we just happen to have the culture that that was possible. Um, and I think the other thing that we've noticed, because, I, I think it's just because of our situation and because of our product was we were getting a lot of technical uh, questions. And what somebody what people were doing in the inbox was they were sort of cherry picking all the ones that they knew how to answer and just pushing all the actual technical ones that they couldn't answer um, down towards the bottom. You know what I mean? They're just kind of skipping over them and they're sitting in the inbox and days are going by, you know, or, or hours are going by or whatever. And it's not getting answered because they didn't want to bug somebody. And that's when we knew we had to change somehow. So the way we changed, I guess, to, to sort of wrap this up is um, one, you know, attacking the problem by getting the customer champions access to, code, uh, code school, for example, um, to one up our skills, but also, um, establishing like a really good communications process for how we do escalate stuff when it really is broken or something like that. So the kind of the whole reason we first started talking was you had a support job opening, um, that we put up on the support ops job page. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of caught my eye because it was definitely, uh, an opening that was kind of different, <laughs> Than, than all the other ones that had, had come my way so far, which was refreshing. Um, you know, one of the things was you you called the, the open spot a customer champion, and, and you've 
talked about that that title a couple of times now. Why why go with a description like that when it comes to, um, I, I guess for lack of a better word, that title? Sure. No, I, I think that's a great question. Um, so the first reason is because we're pretty crazy around here, and uh, we just wanted to do something a little goofy, I think. Um, I think it fits our personality, and I mean, one of the most important things for me in terms of getting that job posting out there is letting people know about our personality. Um, you know, when people apply, I want them to know not just that it's a, you know, it's another support job, but also exactly what kind of company we are. Um, and I think communicating our personality is a good start. Um, I referenced the <laughs> Brendan had an, uh, a front end developer job posting that he did. I can't remember exactly what the title, you know, of the post was, but it was, um, he had taken it from Craigslist somewhere. There were a lot of A's and a lot of pluses in there. It was kind of weird. Um, so we're, we're a little bit weird like that. Um, that's like sort of the first half. And the second half is that, uh, I think customer champion is actually a pretty good way to describe that person's role. Um, you know, I guess it can sound something like, uh, support ninja or something, but it's not, that's not really what I mean. A, a customer champion should be the champion of the customer. So yes, they, they answer support emails and that sort of thing. But also when we're talking about the future of the company and the product and the business model and that kind of thing, um, what I really want for everybody on that team is to have the customer's interests um, first and to be very up on you know, who's currently in our customer base, what do they need right now, um, what would make their life a dream, you know, what would make it just so much better for them. Um, that is really important to that role. So it kind of works. Uh, the, the role, the, the title kind of makes sense. Um, in the original job posting I wrote for this job, uh, which was probably a year ago now or so, I, I did this whole fantasy story where the the customer champion was in some sort of sword fight with a dragon and all this stuff um and i think that's where the the, the title came from customer champion but um it's actually pretty applicable to what they do in reality on a day-to-day -day basis with you know product updates and feature priorities and um and making sure that they're the champion of what the customer really needs if that makes sense i was just glad to see it wasn't a ninja because that whole ninja guru that it's just tiring it well just you tiring. know i i just <laughs> i like i we're not gurus we're definitely not gurus here um we try to be of course but uh i think guru to me means um that we have all the answers and we're always right and and that whole thing i think it's more like we're going to go to battle for them every day um and i think a lot of our customers they love that about us. Um, they know that when they write in, and some of them have been customers for years now, that um, we're really listening and that when we're talking about, um, you know, what's what's a priority, what's going to come up next, um, that we're going to go to battle for them and uh, make this product work, you know, for them, essentially. So you mentioned Code School a little bit earlier, so I want you to talk about that in just a second, too. But I guess kind of as a lead-in to that, with a with an open spot like this, what kind of qualities and traits are you looking for? Um, obviously, you're going to train them a little bit, uh, but I guess they need to come in knowing some some basic code. I guess uh, kind of you know what, what's your approach to to hiring? To hiring, that? yeah. I was definitely going to ask you a question about that because I'm I'm not very I don't <laughs> think I'm very good at it. But um, I think 
I certainly hire for the person first and the skills second, right? We're definitely going to be training people um, and we're definitely going to get them the best um, tools on the market to help them learn whatever it is that they want to learn. And we don't, we definitely don't have, um, you know, code reviews or anything like that as part of our hiring process. Um, that's not a requirement in, in any way, but what is a requirement is having um, that curiosity that says, you know, I may not know a lot about how this necessarily works today, but I'd love to do that in the future because I know it benefits our customers. Um, or because they're just natural fixers. You know, they, they see something that isn't working. And in a lot of cases, we see something that isn't working for our customers um, because they bring it to our attention. And, and they're going to say, I don't know what, it, what I have to learn, but I'm going to you know, slowly track it down. I'm going to break it down into pieces and figure out what I need to learn to make this work. Um, so that they fix stuff. And um, I mean, as far as the the, the person is concerned, I'm certain, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think friendly support is the best, but I'm not looking for cheerleader support, if that makes sense. I'm not looking for somebody who's going to be bubbly, but has no idea how to answer the question. Um, we're more looking for someone who is going to be, you know, very knowledgeable support with a smile, I guess is a good way to describe it, that um, we're helpful and we're friendly and we may even be uh, try to be pumped up on a Monday morning, uh, as everybody else is not. Um, but we're, uh, we're here first and foremost to answer the question. Um, so that's what I'm looking for as somebody who can balance those things really well. And, uh, I don't think I have any more specifics than that, but, uh, but, uh, I, I would say that anyone who's, you know, curious and friendly and loves grinding through the experience of, of support and working with customers is going to be a great fit. Yeah, you uh, point out a good thing, hire for the person first, which is really important. You know, it's, uh, I can, I can teach anybody some basic like HTML or PHP or whatever your, your code flavor is of choice, but I can't teach someone how not to be a dick to somebody else. <laughs> that's, you know, yes, that's totally true. And I also, I can't teach someone how to not give up. Um, or right. yeah, exactly. I almost got myself with a double negative. Um, I, I, I want I mean, so much of the support role is saying, I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm going to help this person, even if, you know, they're having a bad day. And even if, some, you know, some of the bad day is being caused by something I can't control, um, I'm going to work with them until, you know, until the end of the day and beyond to make this thing work, because it's just it, it really is just that important to them. Um, you can't teach that. And, uh, you know, I meet I talk to people all the time about the role, especially when we're in hiring like we are right now. And you can tell pretty quickly who's a good fit and who isn't. And um, after that, it comes down to a cultural fit and, you know, on down the line. Um, but there are like some core personal traits that you can't teach anywhere that are just so key to this role. It makes it so hard to hire. So kind of still going with the uh, the new hire theme because it's 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 timely. It's, it's great that you're actually looking for somebody and that. This is uh, one of the few times I've I've been able to like, get somebody on the show that's in the active process, so it's kind of fun. Um, I, on your uh, your personal site, you you mentioned using support as a, a little bit of an onboarding tool for new people on the team. Mm -hmm. So can you can you tell us a little bit about how that works and if how successful it's been? If it's been you know a good success, if not, you know that just 
tell us a little bit about what happens after they uh, they get hired on. Right. Okay. That's a great question. Um, so everybody at Wistia starts on a three-month retainer or contract or whatever the technical term is for that. And that's a two-way street. You know, some people are going to sign on thinking it's going to be, you know, the perfect role for them. And um, after three months, they may be saying, you know, hey, this wasn't right for me. Um, so during those three months, one thing we've um, tried to do is, in, is uh, expose new people, no matter the role, to um, customer messages. And most of that comes in the form of support emails. I don't throw anybody on the phone or anything because I think that's just mean. Um, but I, but we will um, get them in Help Scout and get them some experience answering some emails. Um, I wouldn't say that it's been 100% successful because right now we always, our growth is always uh, way behind our needs. So a lot of times when someone comes on, um, the person that they're sort of bailing out is so underwater that they're just like dying for that new person. Um, but, um, I think it's just, so, it's so important for, okay. So two things. First, it's so important for people to know our customers. I don't think that our customers are like, you know, company X's customers, like company Y customers, right? Like yours and my customers are not exactly the same, no matter what we want to try to do. Um, you know, the situations where they might reach out are completely different. And so that affects every part of the product. I mean, there's nobody from, I mean, marketing, support, engineering, so, um, design, like there's no team that can just ignore um, our customers. So uh, knowing that is really important. And then the second thing is, you know, we build an app uh, and knowing that app inside and out um, obviously makes us all better and uh, allows us to do our job uh, a lot more effectively. So those two things, the best way to do that is through support because, you know, you can, you can force yourself to walk through any product, but I think that you really get in there and understand the rough edges when somebody else is sort of pointing them out to you, I think. Um, you may glaze over something the first time you're doing it because, you know, you're not doing that exact workflow. But as soon as somebody writes in and says, this is how I'm actually using it for my business, you know, day to day, and it's not working the way I need to, it sort of unlocks something in your brain. You suddenly realize, um, you know, that your use case isn't necessarily the same as theirs and opens your eyes to all sorts of improvements you can make in the product. So we try to get people on a schedule where they're exposed to it for a couple of days. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's been um, 100% successful, but it's very, very valuable. The people that we have done it with have loved it. And right now we're actually ramping back up all our, our – all, wow – we're actually ramping back up our all-hands support um, schedule. So that means that everybody on the team is going to get exposure to support again. So that's really exciting. Yeah, that all-hands support tends to uh, be making a comeback. I guess that's a good way to phrase it. Um, it's Not only is it a good way to kind of share the burden of support, you know, you might be able to get by without having to hire on another person immediately. Uh, the bigger benefit there is definitely everyone gets exposed to it. Um, so for instance, at 37 signals, uh, everybody on the team serves one day a month 
with the support team. So they're in our chat room all day. They're answering questions all day. Um, we partner up. So if they've got questions and uh, they can ask their, their partner and, and, and all that kind of thing, but it kind of gives them insight. You know, it's that, Oh, I, I've never seen anybody use Basecamp that way before, but that's probably, you know, they're probably not the only person doing it that way. We might be able to tweak something here or there and make it a little bit easier on them. Um, yes. So it's, it's good to see it making a comeback yeah, for companies that, that haven't tried it yet. I think um, there's also something to be said about, and this is, I mean, this is not a negative to anybody on our team or any other team, but there's something to be said about the fact that after a while of not being exposed to customers and the inbox and that whole experience, you can start to make decisions that will directly impact support in what I would say is a negative way. Um, And I'm happy to go into that further, but the idea is... um, when we make any sort of decisions in the way we communicate or the way that we structure the product or the experience, support has got to be, in, in my opinion, support has got to be included in that um, decision-making process. So um, when you're making, you know, when the design, for example, is making a decision that's going to directly affect support, it certainly helps when they've recently done support and they've been exposed to what that feels like. So when I'm saying, you know, this decision, you know, while it looks really good, may cause, you know, something like triple the number of support requests uh, and they know what that feels like, they're like, okay, you know, maybe this isn't the road we'll go down. So we were just talking about that today, so it's top of mind. Um, But I I just think that that's a great side um, benefit of people actually spending a few hours or a few days doing support. Yeah, where you put that button at on that page dictates whether or not I get five emails or 15. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, and that's a lot. Yes, um, I was talking about it with the guys over at the industry. Uh, I'll put a show, uh, a link in the show notes for everybody that's listening. Um, but that was one of those things that, that come up. It was all hand support. We were talking about, you know, from regardless of, of the company, it's good to get everyone exposed uh, to the customer in some way. Now, uh, the example that came up with them was kind of the, the typical, uh, well, you don't want Johnny Ives from, from Apple down there answering phone calls and doing customer support. You want him designing the latest and greatest new products so that Apple can sell it and we can all upgrade and, and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, that's his strength. But at the same time, you want him to, to kind of be thinking about the things that customers are talking about because where he puts the a specific button or uh, the way a gesture works on your phone is going to impact how much of a burden your support team is going to end up with and how many customers are going to get frustrated because it's not where they thought it would be or it's not the right flow that they think it should be and and that kind of thing. Right. And I mean, you know, most companies are not Apple. Uh, Most designers are not Tony Ive. You know, for a company that's our size, uh, everybody should be exposed to it because that's how we get better. Um, I think Apple, I'm sure, has an amazing customer insights team. You know, a whole team of people who come through support requests and phone calls and that sort of thing and comes out with insights for future product development. But right now, the only link we have is the customer champions. And, because uh, you know, exposing somebody else to what a customer champion goes through means they can suddenly pick out, you know, someone from design or someone from engineering can pick out insights that maybe would have gone unnoticed if they hadn't spent that time in support. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, and we're, we're definitely still working out how to make it um, a really smooth part of the onboarding workflow, but I'm not going to give up. 
See, I just I need somebody from Apple to come on the show. So if you're listening and you work for them, let me know. There you go. Because that <laughs> I I just I'm really curious about how that works. Um, you know, we've uh, I, I've had the chance to kind of hear from Jeff Bezos over at Amazon how you know even their top levels do stents inside of their customer call centers and that kind of thing. That's so right. see, it's it's easy to to for small companies like us to kind of be like, this is how we're going to do it. And it's going to work great and trust us. And, and then you scale up to, to bigger size companies and it's different. It's just a little different, but at the core, it's still the more you can be a champion for your customers, as you pointed out is you can't lose if you're doing that. That's right. Exactly. So you, uh, I, I've got to pick your brains on this since uh, you brought it up earlier. Um, phone support. You, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you're not getting as many phone calls as today is, is, uh, if I go to the Wistia website right now, am I going to find a number to call in and, and talk to somebody? No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Oh, <laughs> crushed my dreams right there. We're busting on that one. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. How, do, how do you make that work for, uh, for you and your team? So that was scary. That was really, really scary. Um, the first couple of years we were around, we were, you know, we always thought of ourselves as like the friendly guys, you know, the people that you'd call the number that you found on the phone and in two rings, you'd get a live person. And it's like, who could run a company that's better than that? That is so cool. Um, and it was, it was really fun. Um, except that we were completely underwater with phone calls, right? We had like three separate lines, although there were only two of us answering the phone and I I was one of them at the time. And, um, I think that the real, I mean, there were a lot of problems. It caused the, the volume caused a lot of problems, but I think the biggest one looking back is the customer champion, like I said, is your connection with your customer. So when we're looking for, you know, decisions on um, feature priority and how to improve the product, that support voice has got to be at the table. That's how we make really, really good decisions that make customers' lives better. Um, is, is by having that insight. And when you're stuck on the phone all day, you're, you just can't participate in those conversations. Um, and, uh, we got, we, we got pretty sick of the conversation we'd have with people where they, you know, by the middle of the conversation, we're saying, Hey, have, have you actually tried the product yet? And they're like, Oh no, you know, I haven't, I hadn't even thought of that. And it's like, well, you know, we have that free trial set up and, um, the, our best customers are doers. Our best customers are people who were saying, Oh geez, if I had known about the trial, I wouldn't have even been bugging you because, you know, I, I was thinking about this last night, you know, after I put my kids to bed and I would have much rather just been doing it. And, uh, so what we decided right then was that, investing in static resources like our documentation and our videos and things of that nature were going to pay off um, in so many other in so many ways um, more than spending our lives on the phone and um, so that was that was a really scary meeting I remember and we came out um, you know saying we were, we were going to turn off the phone and I remember um, suggesting that and feeling like the um, like the energy in the room just, or like you could hear a pin drop, you know, and I didn't know what the reaction to that was going to be, but we, we ended up going with that and we went from, you know, I, I couldn't tell you for sure, but we went from somewhere around like 30 to 40 calls a day to maybe like 10. Um, and in that time, the customer base, the user base has gone up, I don't know, 20 fold or so. Um, 
So that, that's been um, a, a big success for us in that we didn't, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot or, or make any enemies out of, um, out of folks because that was obviously that was like top of mind was we used to be the nice guys. Are we now going to be the jerks? But, um, it, you know, in terms of productivity and also getting people the info that they needed, um, I think that was a huge win and it put a lot of pressure on our static resources, like I said, so we could go in and spend the time to improve those. Um, and that paid off for all of our, you know, doer customers out there. Very awesome. It, it, tends to be that that's kind of the the trend for a little while there was everyone trying to to run towards phone support but now it's people are realizing it doesn't really scale if you want to run a small company you know if you're on the phone with somebody for 30 minutes then that's one customer in 30 minutes and (laughs) and so you've got to kind of grow the support team really quick to keep up with that yes and and right and we were never going to be in that situation um where we were going to have you know a, a 20 or a 50 person support team. We're nowhere near that. I mean, I'm having enough trouble finding that fourth person. Um, so the idea of hiring like 20 is just completely out of my league. Um, so, so that was, that was part of it for sure. I think also we all agreed that the best support is no support at all. The best support is when the product just works and you don't have to, you know, you don't run into these dead ends or places where the technology that underlies all this cool stuff becomes suddenly apparent, you know, almost like in Terminator where like his skin gets blown off and you see like the robot underneath, like that's, that's bad. That's a bad situation. Um, we wanted it to be super smooth. And, um, so that means that finding when you, when someone actually runs into trouble, um, we should be there in that moment. They shouldn't even have to pick up the phone. And being there in that moment means putting a help bubble, you know, near where they're clicking, so that they're saying, "Oh my God, I don't know what I just did." Here's a help bubble. I click it, and oh, it tells me everything's going to be okay. All right, all right, I get that. Or when there's an error, making it a, a really helpful error <laughs> instead of just says, "Sorry, this didn't work." It says, "You know, maybe the, um, you know, maybe we should try re-exporting your video or something like that." So. There are a lot of little ways that you can get to people um, faster and easier than forcing them. You know, a lot of people think the phone is the easiest thing, right? They'll pick up their phone and call you. But in a lot of ways, um, I think if you actually got in the conversation, you'd realize that people work around, you know, they, they start a conversation with you. They don't want to go straight to their question all the time. It just it ends up working better for everybody, I think, when you push towards these, well, first making the product just plain old work, but also you work towards these static resources that people can access, you know, in the middle of the night after they put their kids to bed and they're um, just trying to get some video on their website rather than forcing them to wait to call during business hours or something like that. See, you summed it up really well. Totally agree there. there there's nothing to pick apart. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> well, now I should add though that I think is important is uh, now you start picking yourself apart. Well, yeah. I know, right? Is that our customers? <laughs> our customers still have a phone number in in the app. The app still has a line down at the footer that tells them how to call us up. And there are times when you know maybe um, the, you know their their credit card expired or their videos aren't playing for some reason, and we want to hear from people, right? We don't want to be incommunicado when they really need us. Um, and some people just want to talk to somebody on the phone and we have to understand that. But 
we want to make sure that we're guiding the conversation as much as possible to like a really successful place. And as you probably know, um, there are a lot of times that phones just don't work for answering technical support questions, right? You're kind of holding the phone with one hand and you're trying to debug what's going on on their page in the other hand. And it just doesn't work. You end up with a lot of dead air and people are confused. Um, the other situation where a phone doesn't work is they have to, you know, the customer you're talking to then has to relay it to their developer or something like that. It's just way better to have a paper trail. So there are just so many instances where um, either email would be better or building into the product would be better. And so we decided to spend our time going after that. You're going to get that one phone call where they're literally screaming across the office at their IT guy <laughs> being like, this is what they said. This is what they're telling me. Do we have that? Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you, you say, you say iframe and you hear them yell frame across the office and you're like, no, 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 no. But it's too late at that point. So that's, you've made an enemy for life at that point. <laughs> All right. So final question. Tell me about the best customer support, best customer service experience you've ever gotten. And, and the thing here is it's that you received, not that you gave, but that you were the customer in it. Right, right, right. Well, any example that I give has gone far beyond anything I've done. Um, I, you know, when, when I was thinking about this, I did not want to jump on the Help Scout bandwagon, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Oh, Help Scout again? I'm gonna give them seriously. I'm gonna, I'm gonna their, send them a bill. I'm gonna give them their props um, because I think the <laughs> story is unique. But then I want to give another one, and it's another company that I've already mentioned. But whatever, you can send them a bill too. Um, so <laughs> um, I remember, God, it must have been at least a year and a half ago, if not two years ago, um, Nick from Help Scout came into our office. He was doing Techstars Boston and he pitched us Help Scout. And at the time we were using a shared Gmail inbox for support. Support at Wistia.com went to a shared Gmail inbox and it was, it was a mess um, in there because, you know, some people like to have open conversations. Some people love to close tickets and assign them to themselves or whatever. And this, that workflow just was not working for us. And the product was, was good. And clearly their head was in the right place, but there were a couple things that we had already decided were must haves, um, in a support product. And we had, we had tried, you know, I can't remember all the ones we tried, but we tried a lot of them. And, um, what I think we loved about it was that he was like, you know, we need feedback. Give us the feedback and we're going to make this happen. And we worked with Nick for, you know, probably four or five, six months maybe on the things that we were like our must-haves. And he, you know, he would push back on some, but he would go and he would work with Denny uh, and Jared and get some of these great things done that I think make their product just like a total winner and you should go get it today, everyone who's listening. Um but uh, so that, I mean, that's going just above and beyond, but that is the best support um, I think I've gotten in recent memory. Um, the other one that I can think of just so that this whole show is in the Help Scout plug um, is, <laughs> is Code School. So another plug for Code School. Those guys are super friendly and the product they make is really, really, really well designed. It looks great and it's informative. I mean, that's what it's there for. Um, and I dropped them an email when I was setting up our company account. And we had an awesome back and forth. They were super helpful and the thing just works. You know what I mean? It wasn't a support um, experience where I then had to, you know, take a bunch of screenshots and, and send them my browser information or anything like that. They, they found the problem and they fixed it and they did it in a friendly way. Um, and you just can't beat that. You can't beat support like that. No way. Just can't. <laughs> 
And that's a wrap for this show. You can chat with him more over on Twitter. He's at Jeff Vincent. Vis- yeah. See, I keep screwing up your name. I'm sorry. Oh, no, don't worry. It's so simple. It's Vincent. It's not that hard of a name. I don't. On Twitter at Jeff Vincent, that's or head over to the website <laughs> JeffVincent.me. That's dot me. Um, definitely, definitely highly recommend checking those out. He uh, has got some good thoughts on the blog over there, and then his tweets are hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Chase. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, a big thanks to Chase Livingston, our uh, podcast producer, as well as to HelpSpot for sponsoring this episode. We're trying out sponsorship, something new. And uh, Ian over at HelpSpot was gracious enough to take the plunge with me. So big thanks for them. As always, let us know what you thought of the episode. Talk with me on Twitter. The handle's at supportops or shoot me an email, show at supportops.co. Show notes, as always, are going to be over at supportops.co forward slash podcast. They'll have links to everything that we talked about today. I'm Chase, and until we meet again next time, have an awesome week.